0: Welcome to the College Knowledge Podcast, sponsored by the College Planning Network and Paradigm Financial Group. Whether you're searching for that right fit college, applying to college, or figuring out how you're going to afford it all, you're in the right place. You'll hear from deans, admissions counselors, student-athletes, and scholars from esteemed universities and colleges around the country. We'll dig deep to uncover their insight and unique experiences. So whether you're a student gearing up for college or a parent with college-bound kids, sit back, relax, and listen. Like you, we have lots of questions. Our guests have the answers, and we're excited to share them with you. Let's get started. Please visit our other YouTube channel at Elite Collegiate Planning, where you can find out how ECP can help your family. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to College Knowledge. I'm your host, Dave Kozak. I've got my visiting host today, Mr. Clay Kovach. Welcome, Clay. Hello. And uh, today we have the distinguished pleasure of interviewing uh, Beth Hendler-Grunt. who is the founder and president of The Next Great Step. Beth, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: So uh, give us a little background on your company and, and what you are trying to do. And then hopefully we can have some positive conversation and our listeners can leave with a little bit of info they didn't have.
1: Sure, absolutely. So I'm the president and founder of Next Great Step. And our sole focus is to help college students and recent grads land the first internship or job that they deserve. And I actually, this actually, we just celebrated eight years of of doing this. Um, Congrats. Fantastic. Thanks. You know, I started this company. um, I'm not a career coach by trade. I actually was in the high tech sector and I was consulting with CEOs. And the one conversation that always came up with executives, they'd say, you know, I'd love to hire somebody who just came out of school. They have such great energy, but I'm not going to, I'm going to pass because I don't have the time to handhold They don't understand our problems and I need to get someone who can really, you know, hit the ground running. And likewise, I kind of moved into the age where lots of friends would say, I don't understand. My kid went to a great school. They have great grades. They cannot get a job. And the idea occurred of like, well, what if we taught young adults the same thing I was teaching CEOs? How do you differentiate yourself? How do you have a strategy? How do you stand out against your competition? Mm-hmm. And just in a really simple, structured way, and uh, that's how it kind of started. And I started literally with coaching my friends' kids in my basement, <laughs> and they kept saying, "Wow, I'm not getting this at school, or this is something that's different." And uh, so we helped them figure out their path, and then how to be the one chosen to get that job.
0: Fantastic stuff. And I think uh, in in our, I, I've I've done a couple of interviews previously with other people in in similar. Uh, kind of areas, and one of the things that has been um i think astounding from my perspective is that the difference in getting into the college and the difference in getting the, there's not a huge difference in getting the job as there is getting into the ideal fit school the 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 stuff that you should be practicing in the admissions uh kind of arena parlays into practice in in landing that first internship job career whatever it may be um and we talk a lot on our side about, you know, the student is the, uh, you, you have to market yourself. You have to be present. You have to, you have to, like, it doesn't just fall in your lap. Like life doesn't just come at you. You have to go and get it. And, yeah. you know, I talk about opportunities and, you know, opportunities may or may not present themselves, but you can create opportunities, but you have to, you have to seek them out. Uh, And that's how it kind of works. So uh, give me some, you know, what do you think are are the ways that the the best advice you give in, in kind of that first step, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: you know, when we're talking about the next great step, what's the first step towards the next great step?
1: Well, the question is, is the first step for a student or for a parent?
0: Uh, Well, I, I don't, I don't, are they, are they entirely
2: different?
1: Um. Not necessarily. It just depends, you know, who your audience is. If you think a student is listening, I can hear it. But if you think it's more parents, um, sometimes as as a parent of, of this demographic as well, sometimes it's a it's a little different. Um, I'll say for if you're a parent and you're listening and you're like, I'm not sure, you know, my soon to, I have a soon to be grad. I have a college student and I know they want that first job. I know they want to be successful in getting an opportunity that they connect with. But I don't know how to guide them. The first thing I tell a parent or friend or guardian would say, you know, just really start asking a lot of questions. So often as adults, we sometimes impart what we think first before we listen where we say or we try to you know, encourage our young adults to move into areas that we missed as opportunities. So I think we need to kind of always be aware of that. I'd really be curious and say, like, tell me what excites you separate from your major. Sometimes it doesn't always align exactly. A lot of times our kids are afraid to tell us that, hey, I just studied this for four years and I'm not sure I really love it or I want to spend time there. So give them the chance to just what is it that you think you're good at? and helping them and and identify this concept of what are their skills? What are they good at? It's not just that you're hardworking, which of course is a good attribute, but it's not a Mm -hmm. skill. Are they a great writer? Are they good at research? Do they know how to sell themselves? You know, help them figure out what those things are Before you do anything else, before you go to a job board, before you write your resume, because clarity on your skills, I call them your core skills, what are the top three that you're the most competent and most skilled at? When you have clarity on that, the rest of the process gets easier because you know what you're going to say. You know what you're going to write. You know you're going to target companies that leverage those skills. And that's really the foundation and and starting block for a parent or or a recent grad on on how how to get started in the process.
0: And, and how important do you think it is to know what you don't like?
1: Oh, I think it's very important to know what you don't like. And that's why I really encourage young adults to take a lot of risks. There's no other time in your life where you can take all the risks that you have where you don't like it. That's OK. You don't have a mortgage or a family yet or all these other worries. And figuring out what you don't like is just as important as what you might like doing, because at least you can. Set that aside, you know, put that off the table and now focus on the areas that you might want to pursue. Yeah,
0: that was a baited question because that's the answer I wanted to hear, because yes. I think in 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 our world going into the college admissions process, they have so many people that have this distorted, I have to be A, B or C.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And they go in and they, you know, to be successful, you have to be a doctor, you have to be a lawyer, or you have to be an accountant or whatever the the... Fuzz or noise that's been handed to them, yeah. and they don't get the opportunity to realize that a passion and something that suits your skill set, you can be very successful. And I mean, I, people in all areas, right, from uh, owning any type of company you want, you can be successful no matter what that company does. To restringing instruments, all the way up to creating, you know, biotech. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a it's an idea here that not only as a college bound student, but also as a, as a young professional in the workforce, right. Cast a wider net, take a look at a lot of things. Don't get so pigeonholed into these decisions where you believe you're making the right decision, but you don't have anything to, to actually justify it. Right. It's because of some external influence.
1: Yeah. I I just, I spoke to a mom literally yesterday and I think your, your concept speaks to that of casting a wide net. You know, you get in this bubble. When you're at a certain school or university or, you know, you're in the business school within a school and you think like, well, everybody is doing this or everybody has this job and I don't have it or I should be doing that because. But it's a bubble. It's not real life. And it's so hard to understand that. That's not representative of all the potential opportunities that you could be looking at. And there's, you know, this inherent pressure or peer pressure, or people feel like, I gotta, I gotta go pursue investment banking, because that's what everyone else is doing, even though like I hate math and I hate to, whatever discounted cash flows, yeah. you know. But um, and then you get stuck and then you're like paralyzed, or you feel like, well, I'm the only one, which is of course not true. But it's hard when you're in, even in in applying to college. I mean, I see that too of, oh, everybody's going to this school or I have, or my kid has to go to this school so I can, you know, brag about them or whatever. I mean, there's a lot of issues. And don't get me wrong. I mean, I have a, I have a college student and I have a recent grad. So like, I'm, I'm in it. I totally understand. I'm not saying I'm without faults. I think after just working with hundreds and hundreds of families in this, part of the business, this side of things, it's like part two, you know, no one talks about the difficulty about, well, when you're getting out and getting that job or how many times it takes to get it. Um, so yeah, it could feel very lonely and isolating.
0: And I think there's also a reality to it that y- you're like, I guess the, the vision that anybody has is made up of the, the influence that is on them. And so if your influences are very narrow in their scope, so too is, is the reality that you're going to face. And that's when you come down to, and, and, you know, there's different cultures that being a doctor is the only way to go. Uh, There's different cultures where being a lawyer is the only way to go. And that parental pressure, and then societal pressure at the same time forces kids down a pathway. And and I can't tell you how many people I've interviewed I've done work with or our clients that call themselves like recovering attorneys. Like they went through, you know, they were the, the poli sci minor. They went to law school, they got into legal work, they hated it and they're doing something else with it. Right. And they're, they're not alone. Engineers are the same way. If you're good at math, you've got to be an engineer. Well, I can, give you a lot of different places where math is you can be effective with math skills that have nothing to do with engineering. And you see this, this um, tunnel vision of I've got to be this. And this is the only way to be successful. And I I tell this story and I think it's, it's good to share again, but I have uh, a lot of clients who are engineers themselves and everybody thinks engineering is a, a pathway to financial freedom. And I'm, I, it, it can be, but It's the soft skills in the engineer Mm -hmm. that create the financial freedom, the engineer that can sell the engineer that can communicate the one that practices the skills that are not innate to an analytical mindset are the ones that make the money in engineering. So I would say to anybody that is going into that type of field, Hey, get some business acumen, get some. And, and I want to talk about networking because I think networking is where it all happens. Mm -hmm. And I, I want to get your perspective on that, but it's not, just the hard skills. The soft skills are what make people incredibly valuable. And I'd love your feedback. No, on that.
1: no question. So, I mean, I so funny, but the engineering example, I have so many students and grads who come to me from like the top schools with the top GPAs and they're just dumbfounded because they can't get a job and because they're brilliant, but they can't talk and they mm-hmm. can't have a conversation on a level of, let me share with you how I can help you forget the analytics of how I can do all the engineering work. It's how I can add value to you. And and that is such a critical piece. I totally agree. Like everybody needs that mini, I don't want to call it the mini MBA or the mini like sales class of how you articulate the value that you have, how you align it to the goals that an organization has and how you help them meet their goals. So that's the most critical. That's actually part of the foundation of how our business that's I've been in sales my whole career. So okay. not only do I did I take a lot of the techniques from teaching CEOs, it's also how do you sell yourself in a way that solves a problem for that organization, not just because you have a good GPA and not just because the name of your school. I mean, I see this too. It's like jarring for a lot of our students. Sometimes this is the first time in their entire life that they've experienced failure, that they Mm -hmm. always got the grades. They always got the Thing or whatever it is that they aspire to or the school. And now it's the first time that company does not respond, that they are not making it to the final round, that they don't understand that the grades and the school and just saying, Hey, I was told I I'm great my whole life. And now yeah. I'm telling you, and then that's not enough. So uh, it's a really interesting issue. And yeah, we need, <laughs> we need everybody to be selling themselves. And, and then of course, you know, networking your way to get there.
0: W- one part the, that, uh, you mentioned that I think people need to, to let soak in is when you go to the professional environment, there's no handholding, right? right. You may not get a call back. You may never get yeah. another email. You may, you may, you, you may even follow up three times and nothing. It's like yeah. ghost town. Right. It is a lot less forgiving of an environment than, you know, you're guaranteed to get an acceptance or rejection letter. That doesn't happen at the professional level. They're they're moving at a pace. They're focused on the candidates that they want to keep. They're not focused on the ones that they're not keeping, whether it's right or wrong. It's just reality. Right.
1: Right. It's just business. I mean, they're out to make money. I hate to say that, you know, a lot of times I'm like, it's actually, you know, (laughs) so many times candidates will come in. I'm like, yeah, I want to work for this company because it'll be great for me. I'm like, that's really nice but the employer doesn't really care if it's great for you. And that's kind of like a harsh thing to say. I'm like, they want it to be great for them and help the company make money. And you need to get out of that mindset. Of of course, ultimately the benefit would be if it was great for you, but they don't want to hear that. So,
2: Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I was looking through kind of the synopsis of the book uh, that you had put out recently. And, and you know, we don't have to spill the beans of the whole purpose of the book. Yeah. But what jumped out to me was um, that the straightforward college to employment pipeline that, did exist is no longer there, as you say. And I, I was just kind of wondering from your side of things, how has that changed recently? Sure. Um, and, and, you know, what should these you know new graduates be expecting as they come out that's, yeah. that's different from what their parents saw?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, no, the pipeline has changed. Look, when I went to college, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm in my you know early 50s. You know, you went to school, you interviewed, you. I had a job upon graduation, and you know it wasn't a big a deal. You know, like you just kind of most of my friends did. And I think now, I think a couple of things that have happened that has really changed how the pipeline is different from when you're trying to get a job out of school is that there's all this technology. Right. And there's this reliance um, saying, well, it's just a numbers game. So if I just go on Indeed or LinkedIn and I apply to 50, 100 jobs, like I'm sure, you know, based on the numbers, I'll get a percentage of that. And the truth is that that's not the way everyone thinks it is. And every once in a while you'll get picked up, but that's not how it's happening. I think the technology is clouding people's judgment about how you actually get hired. Because what we have to remember it doesn't matter about the tracking system or the algorithm, is that people hire people, not a tracking system and not an algorithm. And they hire people based on those that they feel that either they know, they like, they have a relationship with, and they think can solve a problem for them in their business. That's it. 100%. That's it. So I think sometimes our students will say to a parent, Oh, mom and dad, you don't know what you're talking about. That's not how it's done. Very often, parents. Do have a good sense. Of course, we're just mom and dad, and they don't want to listen to us. Um, yeah. I have that same. I have that same issue. <laughs> it doesn't matter if I'm the expert. My kids still, you know, it doesn't yep. matter. I'm, I'm mom. Um, and I think the importance of also clarity. So not only is the networking critical, which we can spend some time on, but also the clarity on yourself. Like I said before, if you don't know what you're about and what you have to offer that's going to be really hard. So you've got to get clear on that first. And it's okay if you scooped ice cream and delivered pizza and you didn't have this, you know, marquee uh, rotational internship, that's totally fine. You have skills, you know how to optimize a route to get things delivered. You know how to have good customer service skills when someone wants to return their ice cream because it just fell or whatever it might be. You worked in a group project and maybe you led that, that team to have a great grade on your project it's helping our kids realize they have a lot more for them because between social media and the comparison of what they think is supposed to be happening. And then the reality of who's actually still doing the hiring um, it's, it's hard. It's, it's, it's a tough one, but you know, there's opportunity out there.
0: Yeah. And I, I think to clarify even further, right. The indeeds and the job posting boards and all that, that that's where, and, and as an, as an employer of, of 40, Employees, I've read resumes at nauseum. Yeah, uh, your resume gets you an opportunity to talk to me, mm-hmm. or talk to our hiring manager, or talk right. to someone. Right. right, that is it. Right. You're never getting a piece of paper, and someone just signs off and says hire that person without talking to them, and right. oftentimes talking to multiple people in an organization. So, the idea that you can go electronically and get a job is, is not reality. Right. And, and I would argue that the, and and this will kind of be a good segue into the, the networking networking happens at every level of everything you do, period. Right. If you're at a friend's house and you're, you meet their parents, what are they doing? Are you talking to them? What are they about? How did they get to where they are? Man, you have a fantastic house and a lovely backyard. How did you do it? Like, just having those that and and clay we used to talk about this early in your career i called it a genuine curiosity if you don't have a genuine curiosity about how the world works and what's going on around you and the people that you interact with and what they did and how they got to where they are you're missing a huge piece i have i can't i can't count on the amount of times where the the right job opportunity was presented of a friend of a friend who had a, had a connection and they they at least got a segue into the interview process and it, it worked out that way. So I think from, for everybody, they think of networking as this, like, again, a tunneled thing that you have to go to a networking event or you have to go to this young business professionals thing. And it's, it's not that it's, It's just open communication with people and a genuine curiosity about the people around you, which creates networking, right? And when you meet somebody new and intriguing that gives you advice, send them a thank you note, send them, do, do the little bit extra to know you appreciate what people do for you. And it is networking is not hard. You do have to put yourself out there. Sometimes you do have to be willing to have a conversation that maybe you don't feel like having, but it's about asking the questions that that need to be asked so that you learn um what you need to understand about people and places and and companies right
1: no question so literally I just spoke to a mom yesterday he told me her son made it to six rounds of interviews and he didn't get the job and the number one reason why he didn't get it was because he didn't write a thank you note like he forgot mm-hmm. like he or was in his just never got sent I'm like oh my god but right even just the simple thing of going back to just People being curious and asking what someone does and how did you get there and I think and I can ask you the same thing. I hire people too. Let's think about that. Do I? Do either one of us want to sort through a hundred resumes? Of course not. We would love if someone that we knew and trusted said, "I just had a great conversation with this candidate. I think you should talk to them." That completely bypasses every pile of resumes in the stack. I mean, every you know every resume in the stack. Every time. Yep. That as to why you and I are both going to say, oh, yeah, sure. You're telling me that I should talk to them. I don't want to go through all these resumes. I don't want to interview 20 people. We don't have the time or interest. Of course, we have needs to grow our business, so we have to. But if someone came to me and said, you know, I just spoke to this young adult. They were so curious. They asked me such good questions. They sent me this great follow up. I don't know if they're the exact fit, but you should probably talk to them. Of course, you and I are both going to be like, sure.
2: Instantly. Yeah. I think that applies to small and large companies, right? Like a, a friend of mine does recruiting for a pretty large company. And she said, it's shocking how many candidates she calls and they answer. And they're just, even, even it's a scheduled call, just mm-hmm. confused. And she's like, it's not even like they're trying to sell themselves. Like like, to have hello, this job. Hello.
1: Yeah. You, who is that? Like, like, like they're ha- like, you woke them up. Like you're doing right. a favor. Yeah. Like, did I just wake you? Were you not ready for right. this conversation? Yeah
2: you're not going to make it to the sixth round if, if that's the first step in the vetting process and, and you don't get that, you know, yeah, the, the welcoming.
0: Right. So that's funny. My, my, I have four children and they all make fun of me for how I answer the phone. And no matter when you call me, I pick up and say, Hey, this is Dave. Like I, I don't, whether they're, they know who I am and they're calling or I know who they are. I'm, I'm it's instantaneous. Like that's just my reaction because that's, that's just first step. Like, yeah. I want someone to know who they're talking to immediately and I want them to feel welcome to have a conversation with me. And that's part of that openness required to get there.
1: Yeah. I mean, I have to share. So something I think that we're not touching on that is really touching (sighs) this generation of, of grads. And I think we need to just be sensitive to it is that between the pandemic and everything that's happened, there's a huge issue with mental health. Mm -hmm. So the number of young adults that come to us and that I speak to just, there's some, there's, there's like an insecurity, a lack of confidence, anxiety, depression, and it's unfortunately it is hurting or hindering them in the search because they're unsure of themselves. So therefore it's hard for them to exert that confidence on the phone, they also haven't had practice, right? They don't actually Correct. use the phone to talk at all, right? So the whole like concept of like speaking on the phone is inc- actually incredibly anxiety producing for them because they just haven't practiced it, yep. um, so, or you know, getting on a video call. Or now that one of the other big screening methods is one way video like HireVue or SparkView or any of these platforms where the <laughs> an employer just put, posts on the screen, tell me about yourself. You have 60 seconds to answer and hit record and there's nobody on the other side. So, you know, I think there's also, as my son would say to me, now he's a little older now, he's like, you "No, know, mom, it's not my fault. You put this device in my hands and this is how I am learn how to communicate. And now you're telling me the rules are different, but I haven't had practice doing the other rules. So of course, I've trained him all that. But, you yep. know, but if you don't as a as a parent or advisor mentor, you know, there are some real uh, challenges going on with this young adult demographic of what they've dealt with and how they've evolved with, you know, practicing. You know, they don't go to someone's house and ring the doorbell and say, Mrs. Jones, is Johnny there? Can he come out and play? I Mine cool. do. I, that's good. I, t- I, but-
0: I literally said to the kids, I said, "You yeah. have to learn how to do this." Yeah. Like, if the neighbor two doors down, can you send his mom a text and see if he? can, right. No, you can right. walk down there, ring the doorbell, and say, "Is Is Timmy able to play?" Yeah. But I think there's another part to this though that that needs to be discussed at the same time, which is, it is the parent's responsibility to step in and realize that the rest of the world post the, yeah. the education system requires that type of candor and behavior. And I, I talk about the confidence game religiously with kids. I coach multiple sports teams. I talk about the confidence game with kids. I require the kids to thank the coaches after practices to go up, shake the hand do, and make the eye contact. And it's not a huge thing. But it does generate the confidence to be able to look somebody in the eye and and use your words. Right. And so I think we've we've and and again, I'm very conscious of the mental health and I'm trying to prevent it at all costs in the next generation of, of uh, students coming up. But I think we've also allowed them to escape into that virtual world yeah. as opposed to, hey, remove it. Yeah. Or. Uh, like even, even my children on uh we, we, they want to do FaceTime with everybody. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I asked my parents to no longer use FaceTime with the kids. I want them to learn how to, to talk and listen because you, the, the video is like a tractor beam, right. Yeah. But you have to engage your brain when, when you just have it coming in through one sense. And I think it's, it, there's a benefit to it. So I think it's also the responsibility of the parents to, to work on that stuff and to force face-to-face and phone conversations and, and not allow it to always be that virtual environment. Hey, everyone, go ahead and book a free consultation at com for help with all of your college needs. Remember, plan early, pay less.
1: No, I agree. I agree with you. You know, it's just, there's people like yourself or me, or, you know, there's people who are doing it for their kids, but I think also too, it's sometimes, uh, it's hard. It's just, you know, it, it
0: is, it, it, and, it's really and tough. covid Screwed it all up because yeah. hey, sit at home and and try and learn how to read virtually. Like yeah. that just it's it's a not it's a non starter, right? Well,
2: I think that just going through again, going back to the to the book, right? The target is the parents. And I don't think I realized until I got out of school. Um, in my head it was, hey, you know, mom and dad help you get to school and then that's it. Well, when you get back, I think the key for them making sure you're not living in the basement is all right, now let's get you on your feet. Yeah. And let's find you that job. And and that's kind of who you've tailored that that book to and um just from reading and you know, the synopsis and everything that, like we were just discussing, it it is something that comes back to the parents of okay, we gotta do this last little push. No and question. Then, and then no question, which
1: is why I wrote my book for parents and not for mm-hmm. students. Not that they I want them to hand it to them and I want them to discuss yeah. it with them, but I think uh so many parents, I mean, yeah, I speak with hundreds and hundreds of families, and parents will say, like, I'm not even sure what advice to give them. I don't know where to start. And these are very successful, high achieving people that are struggling with like, I don't know what the right thing is anymore. You know, should I just tell them to apply to hundred jobs and go to the job board? Should I introduce them to my friend who's an executive at a company? I mean, there's balance in both of these things. I'm like, well, yeah. not if they're ready, not if they're not ready, but you know, it depends. It's all about timing and, and preparation. And I think it's just giving them some real tools of what it looks like when you can do things in a really, you know, simple or methodical way to help your kid through the process that ultimately helps to launch them and get them out of your basement. And but be confident, and they know what they're doing. And a lot of the the main techniques that we teach, it's not even about getting the first job. It's like how you get the second and the third, and you maintain this throughout your career. Of you have now a skill set that whether it was taught or not at school or home, I'm giving you the framework about yeah. how you can employ it.
0: Well, and and there's a, in, in we're all in sales in, in some capacity or another here. And so there's a, a way that we teach sales, which we'll give you your, your script, uh, the core example of what you're presenting and how you're going to do it, but then you're going to record it and you're going to watch yourself do it. And you're going to criticize yourself worse than anybody else is going to criticize. And then you're going to make improvements. And I think for parents, you know, you have to, for and, and, and this is an interesting thing because kids don't always take the parents seriously. Right. So if you're, if you, as a parent told your child to stand in front of a mirror and introduce themselves, would they do it? Right. Well, they should. Right. I, the first, I, I give presentations all over the country, constantly presenting large audience, small audience group sessions, whatever. The first time I gave my, my original, what I would call core presentation. I practiced it a dozen times on video with my business partners, with my employees presenting and just being comfortable with it. And so part of the confidence game, right? Think about professional athletes. Yeah. How many reps did they do to get there? How many reps have we done? How many reps? How many reps have these students done in this environment? How many interviews have they been through? How many conversations, open conversations have they had? That's the type of stuff that needs to get practice, right? Practice builds confidence.
1: Yeah, a hundred percent, which is what, you know, we do all the time. Is yep. We're like, so it's one thing if you write your answer to an interview question on a piece of paper, or you write down like a story about your skill, but saying it's a totally different game. So, I'm yeah. like, so soon as you can, I don't care if you're reading it out loud, but even if you hear it, it's going to be different than if you just read it in your mind, and kind, i I agree I mean that's how goes back to like people hire people based on what you are verbalizing to someone else. The resume is just like a okay, I need to have that just but it's what this conversation is in this dialogue as to why people make decisions to move forward with you or not and yeah and
0: I think I think there's a a no like and trust concept there too yeah. where it's like yeah. hey, they got to get to know you. They got to get to like you to some extent. Right. It doesn't have to be a a, a a huge like, but they have to like you as a candidate and they have to trust that what you're saying to them is is true and to the core. Right. Yeah. And so um, on yeah. the preparation side, mm-hmm. how would you tell a student to prepare themselves for the marketing environment, the networking? I, I call it marketing okay. because I think like. I always consider myself the product, and I'm marketing myself yeah, to someone. Yeah, yeah, right?
1: I have the same philosophy. Yes, yeah. So,
0: how do you? How does a student prepare uh, to go out and market themselves? What are good uh, uh, practices that they can do?
1: Yeah. So, in order to prepare to network, a couple things need to have in place, right? There needs to be this confident factor of like mm-hmm. I, I have a plan. I know what I'm doing. I know where I'm going. So let's assume that they've clarified their skills. They knew their three yep. core skills. They know an example of how they demonstrated them. That's great. And now they're targeting people who are in the job that they would want. Ideally, I always actually tell them before you jump to the CEO of a company, find somebody who's a recent grad, fellow alum from the same school, who's in a job that you want, who's maybe you know five to seven years out. So they're in an entry level job. So now you have someone who's going to be there's no agenda. They may not even be hiring, but they're going to speak honestly to you about what it's actually like to be there, what it took. And we teach them this framework. I call it the three A's. And the okay. framework is this the first A, when you, so you're going to plan ahead of time. And it's all about, to me, it's all about the planning because if you, you can't just, you know, I'm all about like, you know, not, no winging it. The first A is actions. If everything goes great in this, 10 minute, 15 minute conversation, what action do you want that person to take after your dialogue? And the action cannot be passive. It has to be something like, I'm gonna get up, I'm gonna walk down the hall and I'm gonna go tell the head of HR that they need to speak with you. Or I'd like this person to introduce me to someone who else is doing the job that I can have a conversation with. Or I'd like them allow me to come in and shadow for the afternoon. So something that actually takes a little bit more energy than just like, oh, I'll review your resume. Mm -hmm. If that's going to be your end goal, your end action, then you got to work backwards. What do I need them to do or believe about me? I need them to have an attitude about me. The attitude is what do I believe that this person can do? I believe you can analyze, I believe you can research, I believe you can write. And in order for them to believe that you have to be sharing some scenarios or examples of how you have those skills. So the second part is attitudes. And then the last A is answers. What answers do you need to better understand if you like this role or what it took to get there? Or what are good questions like, how do you measure your success? How would you measure my success if I came into this role? What's the biggest challenge you're facing in the company right now? So that's the planning. You plan, I'll call it top-down, where like your outcome Mm -hmm. first, but then you flip it in the meeting. You ask your, you go with your answers. Like you ask your questions first to get your answers. Then you tell the person about you and convince them of the attitudes they should have about you. And assuming that they're saying, yeah, I see that you have these skills. Then you ask them, based on what I shared with you, can you introduce me to someone? Can you have me come into shadow? And that's very simple framework is so incredibly effective. It actually is a sales technique. But in this mm-hmm. case, just like you said, you're selling yourself as opposed to the yep. product. Um, this was from my tech sales days and consulting days that I kind of bring this to my students. And it's incredibly effective because the person on the receiving end is like, this person is so prepared. They know exactly what they're doing. They're not wasting my time and they know exactly what they want. And if you tell me what you want me to do, I'll go do it. Yep. And that's the and, framework that we teach.
0: And then I would, I would say as the on on the other side, that person is like, well, if they, if they prepared like this for this particular moment, what are they going to do when I give them a project or a job right. or when they're on my right. team or when they're helping my company, I've always said, if uh, I would hire someone instantly, uh, if they walked into my interview, they handed me and they said this to me, they said, Hey, listen, I, I figured I was going to tell you a little bit about myself. I've been in a few interviews, but I, I wanted to kind of give you the the cliff notes. Here's what I'm about. Here's what I do. Here's a writing sample. And, and here's the success that I had. you laid that on me. There'll be a 10 minute interview and you'd be hired the next day.
1: Yeah, 100%. Right.
0: Because, and then I made some notes as we were talking earlier that I think are uh, apply now that I want to come back to. I was talking about uh, the concept of making connections. I think you brought it up. And there's a there's a making connections in the in the networking. Environment, But then there's making connections in the interview environment. And that leads to the kind of preparation that we're talking about now, which is based on the organization that you're interviewing with, right? There is nothing more powerful in an interview, in my opinion, than knowing what the company does. What you love about the company, what your what research you've done and being able to express that clearly. And so making that connection to here's my passion and here's why I love this company and here's what I want to do in this company. And and having that, like tie it together for them. Don't make them think about how they would use you. Right tell them how they can use you, tell them exactly why you're there and make that connection. And so that comes down to the research before you go into the organization. It comes down to the preparation of all the stuff you were just talking about with the actions, the attitude and the answers. But if you, if you need action and you want them to have a certain attitude about you and you need them to answer questions and have answers for you, you've got to prepare for that. That doesn't just happen.
1: Oh, of course. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. Of course, all all of this was about preparation. (laughs) That's, you know, that's what we're doing. You know, we're everything requires. It's not just like, let me Google them online. Fine. That's fine. But like, what, what do you want them to do that actually? So I get this all the time, literally. And another mom I spoke to yesterday, she said, Oh, my son, he networks all the time. I said, "Well, Well, what's happening after the conversation? Nothing. I said, Well, what's happening in those conversations? Well, he's probably just saying, you know, asking them some questions and saying, okay, thanks. Have a great day. I'm like, yeah, because it's not going anywhere. So yeah. saying that you're networking and then doing certain things is a totally different, you know, different story.
0: Yeah. And we talk about a lot setting expectations, right? And this is all about setting expectations. Yeah. It's it's about setting the, you talk about the actions, right? And, yeah. and I love the way you put that where you want them to take an action on your behalf at that moment. And setting that expectation and knowing you have to ask them to do that at the same time. Nobody is just going to stand up, walk to HR and do it unless there's a request to do it. And you've had that influence over them. So I think setting expectations is huge in this as well. Let's shift a minute. Mm -hmm. College missions hiring. How do you see all this changing over? Because I, I I really, there are some similarities. I want to make a comment too about, there is a massive amount of analytics that have been applied to college admissions recently as a result of COVID. Everybody's The traditional admissions process basically went away. Everything's touch points, click points, open rates, things like that, that generate. And we've dug in really heavily into the financial side of college. And one of the things that that is very true is the schools have to create solvent classes, and their ability to create a solvent class means they have to have people that can pay and people that do pay along with the people that don't and can't and in doing so, we've witnessed this idea of the yield right, and so they in college now they talk about the college admissions yield, mm-hmm. and with that, they want to give out as few acceptances as they can to get the maximum uh, uh uh, students coming to that school as possible, right? So to to have a better yield, which raises their rankings and all the reports and everything that are out there. Um, in trying to create that yield, they've gone analytic heavy. They know by the amount of click points and, and presentations you listen to and times you were on their site or amount of emails you open, they have algorithms now to say there's a high probability of this, of this individual coming to this school, right? Which is a little different than on the, on the workforce side. Yeah. But they're still doing similar stuff, Mm -hmm. right? So how do you see all of this changing in the hiring and how do you see kind of the, the, World evolving, if you will.
1: Interestingly enough, I just spoke to the head of campus recruiting for I'll just say one of the top four investment banks um, Mm -hmm. earlier this week. And we asked a lot of I always like to kind of be current on like how are you recruiting? What are you seeing? Is the economy impacting you? Are you going to certain schools or not? And kind of the overall, it's kind of interesting. Obviously, the top kids who want it, you know, they start early. What's crazy? is that the recruiting process, let's just say at the high level, obviously we're talking high level investment banking Mm -hmm. companies, it's not always this way. They want to start talking to kids at the beginning of their sophomore year to recruit them for the junior year summer internship. So basically almost like 18 months ahead, right? So you're barely being done being a freshman. Mm -hmm. You're barely like taking Core classes, you've just kind of finished the prerequisites. And some of these companies want you to proactively show up to the networking sessions, start attending any opportunity and like showing your interest in that company, which is great for the company, but it's how do our young adults know this, right? And they're making offers. So just so for example, January 15th, they just opened the intern opportunities for summer of 2024. Mm. So if you apply in January, let's just say as a sophomore and you get it, what if you change your mind? What if you didn't get to interview with like all the other companies or maybe you should be interviewing there? You know, I, I, it's funny. I, we asked um, this person, I said, do you find any candidates who kind of like back out? or regret that they committed like 18 months earlier and they just did it because mom or dad went to the same company or they just felt the same pressure because you're in the business school. She's like, no, usually, you know, but, but what's happening is that these companies are now taking their internship class and hiring about 80 to 90% of them with full-time offers. Mm. So now when you want to go full-time for some of these Companies, you're like your window, same thing, of like early action, early decision. Like if you go regular, your window is like, well, there's only 10% space left for you. It's
0: driving um, that comp, driving that competition up for the people that, that don't have the knowledge to right. do it early.
1: Right. If you don't go to a target school, if you don't have a parent who's notified you about it, if you don't have an advisor or a professor or a group of friends to like clue you in, Right. If you're a, a liberal arts English major, but you, you you do your own investing and you want to get into finance, but you're not getting the same exposure and information as the kids who is the finance major in the B school at that. It's tough. It, I mean, It's like yeah. it's, it's really crazy. But separate from that, separate from that. So that's just kind of one thing that, that we're seeing. I do think that there's always opportunities and it happens all year long. And it all comes back to the networking. And that if you put yourself out there, I don't care what the cycle is or their time frame or their class. You know, people even I literally mom yesterday said she's like, if he doesn't have a job by the time he graduates, which is in 30 days, barely 30 days from now, do you think he'll get a job after? Do you think it looks bad that he didn't have a job the minute he graduated? I'm like, of course he will get a job. Of course he will. He might need time. Maybe he needs a break. Of course, people are always hiring. I mean, yep. we still have the issue, even though the, the market's been crazy. And yes, companies have pulled back. There's still over 10 million job openings and there's 8 million job seekers. There's opportunity. I think we just have to sometimes focus on what, you know, what do these candidates want? What do you want to go after? Get some of that clarity versus all the noise that... Yep it's, it's very hard. Not, there's no perfect answer. I don't know. I probably deviated to answer your question no, here, it. but so that's, um, that's real. It's just, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting. And we have these kids Then they're so defeated. Like, well, I'll never get anything or I'll Correct. never, and I'm like, of course you will.
0: That's a, that's a real issue right now in the admissions of college, people get rejected from their, what, what they thought was wow. their top choice and they're devastated. Oh, no. And it's like, listen, I can tell you something if they don't want you, that's not the right fit. I know. Like it just is. It isn't. And well,
1: wow. you know, it's funny. I'm on, I am, I'm on TikTok, <laughs> and I watch some of these acceptance and I hate this. It doesn't matter. It actually doesn't matter. And I know it's so hard. Trust me. My son had a choice, his first choice school. And luckily he got into it or whatever, but like in the end, we said, I'm like, I knew if you didn't go there, you'd be great at a ton of other places. I think also as parents, we have to manage that expectation. We cannot say to them, you've got to go here and you have to go to this school. I and mean, we have to really tamper that down. Of It doesn't matter. You're a great candidate. You're going to do great anywhere. And it, it, it more, it's more important about what you do there than what the school name is because if you don't optimize all they have to offer, then what's the point of that too? Trust me. I got plenty of Ivy league kids who come to me and be like, yeah, I don't know. I didn't really do anything. I can't find anything. Um, like we shouldn't be talking, but you know, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. I hate to say that.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And we we know we always talk about the fact that you have to find the social, emotional, uh, educational and, uh, financial fit of a college. And If you're if you're not, again, casting a wide net, understanding that the algorithms have changed, understanding that the way they admit people has changed. Um, And we tell people don't fall in love with a school until a school falls in love with you. Right. Don't you go on your first school, you're a junior in high school. Everybody's talking about college. You've all this pressure is coming. you got all these AP exams, the SAT, all that. And you get to this. It looks so awesome. You buy the sweatshirt, you're in love with it, and then you don't get in. And we're setting them up for that. We already have a mental health issue. Right. We're setting them up for that devastation, and that's right. a confidence killer. That's the hey. Let's let's open it up. there there are good attributes at all these schools that apply to you. Let's figure out which one's the right fit for our family financially. Let's figure out the right one for that's another
1: whole big issue. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, and I think think the other side of that too is when you go into the professional environment, right? Yeah. I, I want to work for Lockheed Martin. Okay. Well let's talk about why. And maybe that's not step one. Maybe that's step five. Maybe you need to find something here before you get to that company. Right. and, and, I think we lose sight on the reality that, first of all, there's, I don't know, like an insane amount of small businesses that need quality people. Mm -hmm. Um, There are corporate, you know, machines that are recruiting constantly. Open it up get some experience there is nothing better than experience for an employer right what what and you and it's a tough game because you come out of college you have no work experience or minimal work right. experience uh, and then they they want to hire people that have experience and you're like well how do i get experience if right. i can't get hired in the first place yeah. right so uh i think i think we've set some expectations pretty high yeah. in our minds they're yeah. not reality
1: i totally agree totally agree It's 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 And I also think social media has not helped because you say, oh, well, this person's going to this school or they got this job or, you know, someone just announced on LinkedIn, like, oh, I'm excited to announce that I just got hired this place. I'm like, that's just great. Good for them. That's amazing. But that's just there's everybody has their own path and their own time frame and their own schedule. And look, I've learned this with my own kids, too. Not everything has to happen in four years. Not everything has to happen in this time frame or it's like we, we create so much pressure, unnecessary pressure on the schedule and the timing, mm. or even another person said, yeah, well, my son's trying to finish his semester. He has seven classes. I'm like, does that really make sense? Seven classes. And they're all like, maybe he should take so, one so more. You
0: get surface deep in seven, as opposed to right. really engaging. Maybe, maybe delay
1: your graduation for one semester, take some summer classes. Like what, what's the, and then he's stressed because he didn't have time to look for a job. I'm like, well, we're not doing that now. School's first. You got to finish that. Like, it'll yep. be there. Um, yeah, there's just the these pressures of what they think they should be doing or what we all think we should be doing. And so we got to really listen to our kids and see what they need. Um, yep. And especially when it you come getting into college and then the whole financial piece. I mean, they don't even realize how crippling that debt will ruin them for years. It can ruin their whole <laughs> 10, 20 years of life. They have no you, idea how bad, so- how long it takes to pay back. 50 or a hundred thousand dollars. Like it's, it's nuts.
0: And it, and that's just the individual impact. Right. There's an economic impact of a lifetime that they can't, you, when you start in that type of debt, you delay marriage, you delay home purchase, you delay, and then, and it, it is an economic situation that, that has to be dealt with. Mm -hmm. So, I know we're coming down to the end here. Yeah. I I could talk about this for days. Um, <laughs> as as I think is been expressed here, top tips for current college students trying to give themselves the edge. Right? What what do you think are the most important things? I, I think I want to say one, which is confidence. Find the confidence. Find the confidence in yourself. You don't have to have the confidence in like corporate structures or how company. Confidence in who you are, yeah. right, is number one. But Take it from there.
1: Oh, confidence and just uh, clarity about yourself. Like think about all the things you have going for you, which you do. You have a lot of things going for you. What is it that has enabled you to achieve success up until this point in your life? That you've learned certain, certain skills. You might have, you know, great parent parental support. You might have a strong academic foundation. Maybe you've learned something. I don't care whether it's, you know, how to play an instrument or that you worked at a part time job, but you've got to give yourself credit for like, I want the brag sheet. I want you to think yep. about all the amazing things that you have going for you, what you know how to do, what you've learned and where it's brought you. You can also think about, well, what holds me back? What do I think is real or perceived? maybe, you know, holding me back. I think maybe I'm not great at interviewing. I'm afraid to network, but that's okay because it's a snapshot in time. So give yourself the chance, but I want you to focus on the first part of what I call driving forces. What are all those things that have enabled you to be successful? And then I need you to figure out what are your top three skills? What are the top three things that you're the most competent, most skilled at, and you really enjoy doing and figure that out with a little story about each one. So if you're a great writer, it could be, yeah, I wrote for the student newspaper. I I created you know, three articles per week. I was able to contribute to our circulation going to X percent or X number of people. And mm-hmm. when you get those stories and those skills figured out, that is gonna to start to give you clarity on Let me think about the kinds of companies or people or organizations that need those skills. Let me find some alumni who might have had the same major or doing something that I'm interested in and let me go talk to them and be curious. Like you said, be curious, ask questions. How'd you get there? What advice would you give? Is there anybody you think else you think I should talk to, introduce me to? And I think just the foundation of clarity on yourself Mm -hmm. and communicating with others, that's the best first steps to do everything else the resume linkedin all that will follow get clarity on you first and and then and then move forward well
0: and i think that the if you get that clarity your resume takes a different tone
1: of course it does yeah right and then all of a
0: sudden you you're putting on paper right. the thing the things that matter to yeah. you which in turn are come through and and they are um they're believable they're yeah. real right? And, and yeah. that's a huge thing too. So uh, Beth, if uh, our listeners want to learn how to take the next great step, what do they do?
1: Sure. So if you are interested in learning more about how we help young adults to land that first internship or job out of college, or even if it's a few years out, go to our website, it's nextgreatstep.com. And there's a little button on the right, it says, let's talk. We offer a free complimentary consultation to parents, students. You can talk together or separately. Um, We would love the opportunity to speak with you. And if you're a parent and you're wondering how you could guide your student through this process or your grad through this process, you can get our book on Amazon or anywhere books are sold called The Next Great Step, The Parent's Guide to Launching Your New Grad into a Career.
0: And I have to say. I love the expression and term launch because it's what it's all about, right? It's the takeoff. Let's, let's get it, Let's get people out of the basement. Let's get them out of their own way and let's get them launched in so that they can have a fruitful, prosperous career for themselves.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Awesome. Beth, thank you so much. That's Beth Hendler-Grunt from The Next Great Step.
1: Thanks so much for having me.
0: You're welcome. This has been College Knowledge, everybody. Here at Elite Collegiate Planning. We are able to send students to private schools for nearly a fraction of the cost of public schools. Visit our website, EliteCollegiatePlanning.com, to learn more. Thanks for listening to the College Knowledge Podcast with your hosts, Dave Kozak and Joe Kearns. We hope you enjoyed this week's exploration of higher education, sponsored by the College Planning Network and Paradigm Financial Group. That's all for this episode. See you next time.